0: Our Father, our Father, our Father, our Father in heaven, in heaven, our Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Your, kingdom come. your, will, be your will be done. Your will be done. Your will be done. On earth, done. on earth, on earth. <laughs> as it is in heaven. As it is in heaven. On earth, as it is in heaven. Give us this day. Give us this day. Forth. Give us this day our daily bread. Our daily bread. And forgive us our debts. And forgive us our debts. As we forgive. As we forgive our debtors. As we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us. Do not lead us. Do not lead us into temptation not lead us into temptation but deliver us deliver us deliver us from the evil deliver one. us from the evil for one. yours is the kingdom yours is the kingdom yours is the kingdom the kingdom and the power the power, power and the glory. the glory and the glory for forever. forever forever amen
1: all right I'm gonna welcome all of our campuses to the third week of our series entitled the Lord's Prayer come on let's just welcome all those that are joining us Man, Baton Rouge to Biloxi all over the South Shore. We're so excited to have you guys. So for those of you that have not been here, we are in a six-part series, and we're talking about that famous discourse on prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. We call it the Lord's Prayer. Technically, it's the disciples' prayer. One day, one of the disciples saw Jesus. Again, this was a routine. Jesus prayed over and over. The Bible says that he would get up early in the morning, And he'd go to a solitary place and there he'd pray. And one of the disciples asked him one day, Lord, Lord, teach us to pray. It's in that discourse that for thousands of years, nearly 2,000 years now, people have been reciting the Lord's Prayer. Now, I want to say just a couple things about that. The Lord's Prayer, there's great power anytime you declare this scripture, anytime that you recite any scripture in the Bible this great power. I do wanna say, I believe the Lord intended more than us just reciting it. I actually believe there's six topics that we can pray through this. Today, I wanna talk to you about what does Jesus mean when he says, give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. We believe at Church of the King in the power of prayer. Come on, how many of y'all believe that? We believe that God answers prayer. Matter of fact, Reminds me of a story of an older woman. She was a widow and she was on a fixed income and she often found herself strapped financially, but she was a prayer warrior. She'd cry out to God, Oh God, give me this day my daily bread. She would routinely pray that. Unfortunately, she had a well, she had a godless landlord that lived right above her. And he was really aggravated by her prayers because. He could hear her pray and she would just cry, oh God, give us this day. Lord, I pray you'd supernaturally provide And One day he thought, you know what I'm going to do? He says, I'm really going to get her. So she left that day and he had this thought. He said, you know what? I'm going to go to the store and I'm going to fill up her pantry. I'm going to fill up her refrigerator and she's going to think that her God did it. Sure enough, he went to the store and came back and she wasn't there and filled it up and put all that stuff in there and she came back and boy, she saw it and she was so excited. She, oh Jesus, thank you so much, Lord. you provided for me. Oh, I'm so grateful and the guy's upstairs. He goes, hey! He's kind of doing like this and he just comes and he bursts in and he says, let me tell you something. Your God didn't do that for you. I did that for you. She's responded very boldly. She says, well... The devil may have delivered it, but God sent it. Come on. Isn't that right? God can use any way to get it to you. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to turn to two places. Luke chapter 11, verse 1, and Matthew chapter 6. The Bible says, Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, when he had ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. John chapter, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. By the way, I teach in the New King James Version. Sometimes I do NIV, but I want us to read this again, all of our campuses. We're going to read the scriptures will be up on the screen. Those that are joining us online as well, I want everybody to lean in, and we're going to read this together. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 through 13 in the New King James Version. In this manner, therefore, pray at the count of three. Come on, let's do it. One, two, three. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Very powerful moment in the life of the disciples when Jesus turned to them and said, when you pray, pray this way. I do want to say this as well. Each week, I I do not believe praying the Lord's Prayer is the only way to pray. But I will say this. As a young Christian, I learned, I'm so grateful for our church, the home church that I was a part of. They taught me how to pray through the Lord's Prayer. Matter of fact, many of us would gather early in the morning and we would pray this. We would pray through the Lord's Prayer. By the way, I do want to say Every one of you coming into the campuses today, all of our locations, we provided a prayer card for you. I had something very similar 30 years ago, and I learned how to pray through the Lord's prayer. There's power in praying that. It's interesting when you begin to think about about it. Everything that we have, all that we have in our hands, watch this, all that we have in our hands, all that we have in our lungs, all that we have in our lives, God has provided the air that we breathe, the opportunities that we have. You know what an atheist, some brilliant person, you know, that is waxing eloquently with all their intellectual arguments to somehow to disprove the existence of God. Do you know the very brain that they have and all the intellectual prowess that they're extending in that moment that actually are utilizing a gift that God had given them? The brain that they have, the, the, all of that we have, everything that we have has come from the hand of God to us, whether people acknowledge it or not. And yet, as followers of Jesus, there is great value in us each morning, waking up and, and looking to heaven and saying, Lord, give us this day, our daily bread. What did Jesus mean when he said that? What did he mean? Well, immediately, as I and so many others would immediately think, you know, well, he's talking about making sure that we have food on the table. And by the way, God is concerned and wants to make sure you have food on the table. But I want to suggest to you today and all of our campuses, I believe that it's not just practical needs being met, but I also believe there's a spiritual reality. I want to talk to you today about what does Jesus mean when he says, give us this day Our daily bread. I want to talk to you about it in two ways. Number one, I want to talk about spiritual provision, and then I want to talk about natural provision. Spiritual provision. If you have your notes, I'm going to ask you to take them out. Those of you that are joining us online, each week we download those notes. Three aspects of God's provision. John chapter six, listen to this, verse 32 and 33. Jesus said this Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. This is powerful. For the bread of God is he, wait a minute, is, it a, is bread a substance or is it a person? The answer is both. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world, verse 33. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me, shall never hunger. It's interesting that when you begin to look in Scripture, there is an analogous sense where the natural bread is always compared to something else spiritually. Bread in the Scripture, used, matter of fact, in just a couple of moments, I want to talk to you about in the Old Testament where manna, bread from heaven, came down. And, and, and you often see in Scripture, bread was a staple diet of the Hebrews in the Old Testament even into the new Testament, the early church. So, and bread is a staple in diet today. Bread has been around, right? And yet it's interesting that bread, according to the Bible, is not just for physical satisfaction. The reality is we are not a body that has a spirit, but we're actually a spirit that has a body. In other words, when you look in the Bible, the Bible doesn't just talk about physical bread. It also talks about spiritual bread. Jesus said that I am the bread that came from heaven. What is he talking about? I am the bread. So we look up. What does it mean that he is the bread? It's amazing in our culture today how we will acknowledge our physical world, and we rightly should. There's a physical world. We live in a physical world, right? And we interact and interface with the world through what we can see, what we can smell, what we can taste, what we can touch, what we can feel. And we can see bread physically. We can taste bread physically. We can smell bread physically. There's there's an interfacing that we can have with our natural senses as we eat physical bread. But Jesus is talking about another bread. Because you're not a body that happens to have a spirit. You and I actually are a spirit that has a body. Matter of fact, your spirit's going to live forever. Your body's not going to live forever. And he's talking about, he said, I am the bread of life that comes down from heaven, how often we put such an emphasis, and rightly so, we should be concerned with natural bread, but how often do we neglect spiritual bread? I uh, had a conversation with a guy one time. He's a friend of mine. He goes, Steve, you may not know this about me. I didn't know what he was going to say. He goes, but I'm like, like I'm a real foodie. Like I'm a foodie. Like I know like food. Like I analyze things. I know what's going on. And like, like, like I'm really into it. And I'm like, well, that's amazing. He started breaking that. I couldn't, I was amazed by how much he knew about food and, and, and just all the strategies and recipes and stuff. And, and he says, when well, this and this and this culinary cuisine and this and all. And I thought, man, you, you know that so much. And I remember thinking to myself, man, because I knew him and he was a friend, and, and, and he was he was a Christian, but it, but he wasn't really where he needed to be. He needed to grow. And I thought to myself, I didn't say it, but I wish I would have. I know you're a natural foodie, but boy, it sure would. Help if you'd become a spiritual foodie. Boy, if you had such a passion for spiritual food as you had for natural food, your life would be a lot different. Jesus one day had an encounter with the devil. And with the devil, it was 40 days that he was in the wilderness and he was fasting and he was praying. And you guys know what happened. Remember, here comes the devil and he has this interfacing and this interacting with Jesus, and he knows that Jesus has come out of fasting. By the way, when you come out of fasting, you're spiritually strong, but but you're physically weak. And he knew that he was gonna take advantage of Jesus because Jesus was weakened, and he saw some stones. You guys remember this? And he says, Jesus, if you are who you said you are, why don't you just turn those stones? You can do this if you're the son of God. Just turn those stones into bread. Remember what Jesus said? It is written, right? Everybody say, it is written. Man shall not live by what? Come on, say it. But by every what? Say it. That comes out of the mouth of God. What was he saying? Here's what he was saying. Friends, listen to me. Jesus was saying, although physical bread is important, although we have to have our physical appetite, we we, we have to have that satiated. There's something much deeper on the inside of mankind something that craves on the inside. We we can go to the finest restaurants in the world and we can sit at the finest banquet tables, but if we don't feed our spirit, there's an aching in our heart. Men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus was actually quoting Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. So he's humbled you, allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know. That was manna that came down. Nor did your fathers know that that you might make known that man shall not live by bread alone. Man shall not live by bread alone. Pastor Steve, is God concerned about my family? Is he concerned about having food on the table? Absolutely. Of course he is. He's a father and a provider. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, thy provider. But there's something deeper. I wrote this down, how often... The problem is not whether we forget our physical needs. The problem is how often we forget our spiritual needs. Man should not live by bread alone. Man should not live by physical bread alone. Man should not live by just worrying about physical bread. But there's something much deeper. When we feast upon Christ, it means when we come to his word and we uncover the voice of God off of every page of this book. When we feast on Christ, we, we drink in the presence of God and we and we and we eat spiritual food. Uh, the average American family has four point three Bibles in their home. Four point three think about that. Four point three Bibles. The question is, how satisfied is the average American stomach spiritually? In other words, how often are they coming up to the table and they're eating? Listen, we don't miss meals often, right? I don't miss meals. And by the way, you ever been around somebody, or have you ever been around somebody, and all of a sudden your your, your stomach starts rumbling? Come on, you know what I'm talking about, and you're a little embarrassed, and you're like, "Well, you know, uh, yeah, I, was that me? Who was that? Was that somebody else? You know, your your stomach just dark. And and, and and can I tell you something? Your stumble, your stomach rumbling is one thing, but your spirit is crying out. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by everyone. Come on, say it. It's, um, it's interesting how often we can be malnourished in our spiritual life. I've walked with Jesus over 30 years. Let me tell you what I found out about walking with Jesus. Whatever you feed grows, and whatever you starve dies. Whatever you feed grows. How often do we, do we present ourselves before God and say, oh God, and I'm feasting upon Christ and, and his word and I'm, I'm digging into the Bible and I'm spending time in prayer. What are you doing? You're feasting on Christ. The spirit of God and the word of God begins to feed your soul is fed. I believe that we can be impoverished in a lot of ways. And one of the ways that we often don't talk about impoverishment is related to our spiritual conditions, our spiritual life. God wants us to be physically strong, but God wants us to be spiritually strong. Question, can you live on one hot meal a week? Can you live on one meal a week? How about now the average American Post-COVID is going to church 1.6 times a month. It used to be 2.2, now it's 1.6. Can I tell you something? Even if you went to church every week, which I believe there's value in being in the house of God and learning the word of God and growing with the people of God. But I'm gonna tell you something, you better still learn how to feed yourself on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. And say, how I many you know we've got to learn how to eat every day spiritual food? Every day, every day. Let me tell you something. No, none of us would think about skipping a shower each day. Oh my gosh, we'd smell. But yet, yet, because there's a cleansing that comes physically with the water, but yet we've allowed the world to get on us, but we don't allow the word of God to cleanse us each day. Ooh, Pastor Steve, you're kind of getting intense now. We eat at the banquet table of the world every day. Let's not forget about feasting on Christ. Everybody say spiritual provision. Spiritual provision. Uh, what does it mean? What does it mean? Give us this day our daily bread. Number one, I think it means there is spiritual provision as we feast upon Christ. God will speak to us today to give us strength for today. But there's also practical provision. Practical provision. In the bread, in the Bible, has always been a staple diet for the Hebrew people, uh, hundreds and hundreds of years, as we read in the Old Testament. Matter of fact, the children of Israel were delivered from Egypt. They came into the wilderness. They were going to the promised land. You guys remember that? And when they got to this critical moment, they were crying out to God because they were hungry. And God responded to their cry. And and, and God heard their cry. And God started doing something so supernatural. Exodus chapter 16, verse 4. The Bible says, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven. Watch us rain down bread from heaven for you, period. And the people shall what? Say it, go out and gather a certain quota every day. The next morning, when the dew lifted, watch this, there was bread, flaky bread, manna all over the ground. Notice what God did not say. I want you to go outside and open your mouth, and I'm going to rain down manna, it's going to go right into your mouth. Can y'all see that? I want you to just kind of zoom in if y'all can see that. Can y'all do that? God didn't tell him to do that at all. Listen, God didn't say, I want you to go outside, and I want you to open your mouth, and I'm going to put it smack dab in your mouth. There's been a lot of conversation over over the years, and Biblical scholars, theologians, pastors, preachers about God being our source and God being our provider. Is God the one providing or do we provide for ourselves? I mean, does our job provide for us or is God? I mean, how does God provide? I mean, I'm working and I think this is a great illustration. It's a great biblical picture. The Bible says, behold, I'm going to rain down bread from heaven for you. I'm going to be your provider. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to provide for you, but you've got to get up and you got to go out and you got to gather. In other words, God's going to provide for you, but your job goes and gets what God has provided. It's both. God is the provider. Everybody say provider. God is a provider, but your job goes out and gets what God has provided. That's what God does. He gives you gifts and talents and abilities and and he's the one that provides. He's the source. He's not the resource. Your job is your resource. Money is a resource. God is the source. You know in the earth, you have minerals, right? Minerals and what? Res- they're called resources. They didn't create themselves. God created them. They're resources. Your job is a re- to re-source. It's not the source, it's to resource. God is the source. That's why if one job, if one window closes, if one door closes, if God's your source, God will open up another door. We don't look to our job, we look to God. God uses the job, but that's just to resource us because God is our source. The moment you start understanding this, the moment you start understanding, we don't look to our job, we appreciate our jobs. and God uses our gifts and our talents and our abilities to... to to engage in culture and to make a witness for Christ. But, But God is our source. He is our provider. Our job goes and gets what God has given. Yeah. The strength that you had, sir, to get out of bed today was from God. The oxygen in your lungs, the fact that you're still here, is a gift from God. Life itself is a gift from God i never forget when I was a young Christian, I had a conversation with this person and they told me this. They said, you know, work is part of the curse. And I can't wait till we go to heaven because, man, there'll be no more work. And I said, wait, time out now. Is that really what the Bible says? Is work really part of the curse? Let's think about when, is, when was work instituted by God. I'll tell you when it was instituted, Genesis chapter 2. The curse came into the earth in Genesis chapter three. But work with what was what did God do? Adam's three full-time job. You guys ready for this? Here it is. Genesis chapter two, he put him right smack dab in the middle of the garden. He gave him three jobs. Number one, name animals. Isn't that cool? What do you do? I'm a namer. That's what he did. Number two, what do you do, Adam? I'm a gardener. He's a namer. He said, your three-full-time job name animals, be a gardener, and procreate. Come on, can I have a witness in God's house? That's what the Bible says. Wait, 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 wait. That was before the curse. Don't ever say that work is part of the curse. Work was instituted before the curse. God has given you gifts and talents and abilities to be able to glorify God. In other words, when you and I work and we do what God's called us to do, there's a, there's a certain sense of, I don't know, there's, a, there's like a certain sense of fulfillment. There's an expectation. We're using our who God has made us to be. We, we are answering that why question, why we're on the earth, to glorify God through our talents. Boy, does it bring satisfaction. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 23, All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Work is a good thing. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 11 Aspire to lead a quiet life to mind your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you that you may walk properly towards those who are outside and that you may that you may lack nothing work is not part of the curse work is ordained by God but your job is not your source God is your source God is your source And if one door closes, God will open up another. Yes, we work hard. Yes, we're there early. Yes, we stay late. Yes, we do everything we can to glorify God. But I'm going to tell you, your job is not your source. We don't live. Let me tell you, we live by a different mindset. God is our source. Everybody say, God is my source. We look to God. We look to God. We look to God. Our job merely goes and gets what God has already provided. Yeah, yeah. That's what our job is. I appreciate the fact that my parents put a good work ethic in me. My mom, I've talked to you guys about this for years. My, and they, they made me work as a kid. I mean, it was always, Saturday morning, just always work. Matter of fact, I used to tell my mom, mom, you cannot put my friends to work when they come to the house. That's illegal. You can't do that. You can't make them. I mean, she'd be like, oh, we're going to weed the garden. I said, so that's not their job. I remember I was 12 years old. My mom, she said, you need a job this Christmas. You're not going to sit around the house. She dropped me off in Veterans Boulevard. I lived in Veterans, and I had to sell I sold Christmas trees. Talked to the guy, got me a job. 12 years old, and you know, working tips. And, and then at 14 years old, they said, you need a job. I'm like, okay, I'll get a summer job. No, you need a job every weekend. You need to learn how to work. So I, my parents dropped me off. At a, I walked, worked at a car wash every Saturday and every Sunday, starting at 14 years old. I'd go out with my friends on Friday night. They'd find me wherever I was, pick me up, and my mom and my dad would drop my mom in her Valari station wagon. Come on, 19. Come on. How many of y'all remember those? Uh, y'all remember those? And she'd pick me up, and she'd drop me off there. And at 5 o'clock, pick me up and go up, and then I'd do whatever I want on Saturday night. So I thank God for that. I thank God, in the summer. I thank God for the value of work. But I thank God they didn't just teach me how to work. They taught me how to supernaturally believe God. That when I got saved, I saw their life. That they believe that that work, let me tell you, work is not my provider. God is my provider. But work goes and gets what God has provided. Yeah, we we need to understand that. (laughs) Boy, it's real excited in church this morning. Aren't y'all just happy? (laughs) I want to say this. I believe that God blesses, God prospers, God wants to provide for his children. But we've got to participate with God. I want to answer this last question and then I want to close. Number one, what have we learned today? Number one, we've learned that that God wants to spiritually provide for us. We've got to participate with God. God's not going to make anybody go and open up the Bible. God's not going to make you pray. But when you pull yourselves up to that that, that table, And feast upon Christ and you open that word, God will speak to you. God will enrich your soul. Number two, God wants to supernaturally provide for you. I believe in the supernatural. I believe that God opens up. God favors people at work. God does amazing, supernatural, unexplainable things. I believe that God does that. Now, I want to answer this last question, and it's often a question that people have. Is it biblical? I want everybody to hear me. Is it biblical for an individual to ask for specific things? Is it biblical? I want to answer that question because maybe, and I say this respectfully, maybe you learned or maybe you heard that, well, you know, it's not biblical for me to ask for, I should just pray general prayers. Lord, bless me. Lord, thank you for giving me life. And surely we should do that. But I want to lean in and say, it's not only biblical, but it's right. And it's expected by Christ for us to believe for specific things. Let me give you number three and I'll close. Believing for provision. One day, Jesus was a lot of crowds around him. And people were surrounding him, and there was two blind men. And these blind men were crying out. And here's what they were doing they were crying out. He was walking by, they said, Son of David, watch this. This is so cool. Son of David, have mercy upon me. Have mercy upon me. Now, Jesus looked at him, Matthew chapter 20, and he saw that they were blind. He knew they were blind. But watch what he does. Don't miss this. Matthew chapter 20, verse 32. He looks at them and he asks them this question. This is so powerful. Here's what he says to them. He says, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Let me ask you a question. Do you think that Jesus didn't realize that they were blind? That's not a trick question. Let me ask everybody again. Let me ask the other five congregations that are watching. Okay. Are you guys, do you think that Jesus didn't know that they were blind? Yes or no? The answer is yes. Okay. Let me, let me ask it differently. <laughs> do you think, come on, y'all, come on. Do you think that Jesus realized that they were blind? The answer is yes. Okay. <laughs> That's an important question and answer. It's like somebody said one day, said, you know, I heard a preacher. I say, respect, I gotta be careful. But I heard this preacher. You know, even God doesn't know where you are. And he, he's talking about this. Adam, I, I say this so respectfully, but he said, you know, Adam was hiding from the Lord. He's hiding behind a bush. Y'all remember that after he sinned? You know, he said, do you think that God was going, Adam! Where are you? I can't see you behind that bush that I just created. Anytime God asks anybody a question in the Bible, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. He wants you to know that he knows that you now have to answer that question. Do y'all are y'all with me? Let me tell you. God was not asking Adam because God didn't know. God wanted Adam to locate where he was. Uh, I'm behind the bush. Now watch this. Pastor, why is it important for us to ask specific things? I'm gonna tell you why. Because God wants you to know that he knows and he can hear that when you ask for specific things, watch this, and then he answers that specific thing, you know what happens? It strengthens your relationship with him. Now now watch this, now watch this, watch this. I'm answering the question, three things I taught you today. What does it mean? Give us this day our daily what? Say it bread. Number one, spiritually. God wants your spirit to be bold, strong, and enriched with the life of God through His Word, through His Spirit. Number two, God wants to meet you practically. Your job is not your provider. Your job goes and gets what God has provided. He's the source. Your job is the resource. But what I'm answering now is, is it okay for me to pray? God, I pray for that contract. Lord, I pray for that deal to close. Oh God, I pray for that son. God, I pray for you to heal this. Is it okay to pray specific prayers? You bet it is. Listen, watch this, watch. Here it is, here it is. Look at verse 33. Some of you guys, this is gonna help you so much in your prayer life. Look at verse 33. Here's what, here's what. Lord, that our eyes may be open. I tell you what we want, Lord. That our eyes can be open. That we can see. Is it okay for me to ask that? I'm specific. Um, You ask it first. Okay, let's ask it together. Because all we've prayed before is, Lord, bless us. Now we're going to get real specific. Is this biblical? Okay, God, that we can see. Let's see what he says. Okay. Was that okay? Was it okay to pray for my job about that? Was it okay to pray for my kid? Was it okay for me to pray to get into this school? Was it okay? Was that okay? Is it okay? Is he mad? Okay, here it is. Here's his response. So Jesus had compassion and touched their what? Come on, say it. Touched their what? Their ears. No. He touched their what? Come on, say it eyes and immediately their eyes receive what say it sight and they followed him why is it important for us to ask for specific things because god wants you to know that he knows and now he hears what you're asking for so that when he answers it it strengthens your relationship with him pastor steve i've asked for things before and it didn't happen so what does that mean my kids have asked me for things before and i didn't give it to them either Doesn't mean they quit asking. Can I have a witness if you're a parent and and the sound of my voice? Maybe it's because I knew that they didn't need that, but it didn't stop them from asking. And by the way, the Bible says ask. Everybody say ask. Keep on asking. Keep on knocking. Keep on seeking. It's okay to ask. It's okay to ask. Pastor Steve, why is it important for us to ask. Why is it important for us to ask for specific things? Because God wants you to know that He knows and now He hears so that when He answers it, you know it was not you, but it was God and it'll strengthen your relationship. Sometimes things aren't answered. Sometimes they're answered differently. Sometimes they're answered at a later day. But keep on asking. Keep on knocking. Keep on seeking. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. I'm going to ask our campus pastors to come on the stage. I want to finish up the service today like I did last week with all of our campus pastors. It's going to be a time of worship. I want to say this as well. Our altar's open at Church of the King. Every congregation after the service, we have an altar that's open. We'd love to pray with you. We believe in God answers prayers. He'll answer your prayer and also people praying for you. Let me pray for you I'm gonna give it back to the campus pastors, and I also want to say, if you do not know Jesus, if you do not know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, we'd love to talk to you about what it means to be a follower of Christ. Father, we thank you that you're teaching us, you're teaching us the power of prayer. You're giving you're giving us a model of prayer, and God, I thank you for faith arising in our hearts that we can pray boldly, we can ask big, and we can ask with a specific nature, Lord help us in this lord please move in this area lord i thank you that you give us this day our daily bread bless your people in the mighty name of jesus and everyone said
0: man what an amazing message from pastor steve today our daily bread as we've been going through this series the lord's prayer i want to know what has God been speaking to you? Maybe take a second right now, if there was something during the message today that stood out to you, that God highlighted to you, why don't you take a second to type it in the chat room? We'd love to hear what God is doing in your life as we're going through this series. And maybe you're out there today and you just made a decision to give your life to Jesus, or maybe you recommitted your life to Christ today. If that's you, we just want to say congratulations. We believe that that's the best decision that you could ever make. We're standing with you, we're cheering you on, and as your pastor, I'm proud of you. I believe that this is the best decision that you could ever make. But I also believe that we're not meant to do life alone, especially following Jesus. We're meant to do life in community. So would you do me a favor and text the word decision to the numbers 822-822. Take your phone out right now, even in this moment and text that word decision. If you made that decision today, we would love for you to text that word on your phone or you can click the link in the chat room. And really what that allows me to do is to follow up with you, to hear your story, to connect with you, have a conversation and see how we can best resource you, equip you and really help you as you're beginning this brand new life of following Christ. The Bible even says that those who are in Christ are a new creation, the old has gone And the new has come. And that's what I believe for you right now, that you're entering into a new life of freedom, of joy, of true life. Life the way that it was supposed to be lived, a life with Jesus. So we're so excited for you. Man, I can't wait to hear from you. And next weekend, we're continuing our series, The Lord's Prayer. It's part four. It's gonna be incredible. We can't wait to see you there. But hey, think of somebody that could use that message. Maybe there's somebody in your life that maybe they're disconnected from church or maybe they're, you know, not doing well, maybe they're far away from God. We all know somebody like that. So maybe take a second right now to even pray and believe that God's gonna use you to impact somebody's life. You know, sometimes a simple invite is the very thing that God will use to transform somebody's life. And I'm believing that God is gonna use you to bring transformation and life change into somebody else's life as you just send out a simple invite and bring someone to church with you. Maybe you live close to one of our physical locations. You could bring them to church with you. Or maybe you're part of our online family. You know how to invite them. Click that share or invite button. Bring them with you to church next weekend. We can't wait to see you here. Same time, same place. I hope you have an awesome week. I'm standing with you in prayer this week, and we can't wait to see you here at church next weekend. Have an amazing week. We'll see you soon.